Hey, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to Q&A number 56, September 9th, 2021. First, let me welcome a new member to Team TLC's virtual Facebook group, and that is Jen from Georgia. And also, I hope everybody read the member highlight this week in the group from Amy here in Florida. She offered some really great tips about patience with horses and spending time just trail riding and getting them soft and quiet and how important practicing slow and perfect is and how it takes a long time to really master your sport of barrel racing and your rider cues and your horse's foundation and the ultimate goal having a solid 1d 2d horse that is calm and quiet and um you know, fancy foundation and broke. And she also mentioned how important it is to remember why you do this and have fun and enjoy yourself. All of those are really great advice, especially we all know horse training can become frustrating at times and some days just don't go as we want. But remember, horses can have off days, riders can have off days. And another important tip I thought she gave, which I feel easy compared to what she recommended, but I tell my riders, if you don't ride three times a week, you're not, you should not go to a, a show on the weekend. But her, her rule for herself is four days a week or don't show on the weekend. So it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of commitment to be your very best. And you know, if you're riding a young horse, five days a week is going to help you progress a whole lot faster than if you're only getting on them a couple times a week. So definitely um, a great, great interview and love getting to know another one of our members. And so thank you again, Amy, for your member highlight interview this past week. Uh, this week's video challenge for the group was the windmill. The windmill is wonderful for balance. I put in two videos in the group, one of me on Briscoe and the other on Rocky. I demonstrated at a walk and a, um, a, a post-trot sit jog. I didn't do it a lope just because of uh, video space. You know, I couldn't really demonstrate it in the space that I had available. But it's definitely something once you master it at a walk and a jog or post-trot sit jog, you'll want to try it at a lope. This will teach a horse that maybe doesn't raid a barrel to collect and, and ride those three spots through the turn, each quarter turn. Um, it, it will also help that horse that anticipates and wants to drop their shoulder or cut you off to pick up their shoulder, soften their rib cage, and ride their hindquarters for each part of the three spots around the barrel, the three-quarter turn, and then also for the half turn as you're doing the windmill. So again, there are videos in the group uh, to watch that. Some other videos I post in the group to catch up from the last couple weeks of me being sick with a sore throat. I, um, I did the figure eights with a snap. Or if you have a horse that's more rollbacky and you don't want to do the snap, you can do the figure eights with simple transitions and circles. So um, that's a good one too. So there's a few videos of that in the group. I also added a video on pole bending, and that's one of the questions for Q&A today, and I'll talk about that here shortly. Um, but I wanted to do a video so you could see what I was talking about. 
when I answer that question. I also added a video of me on Briscoe and Rocky on the value of rib cage bend and why it's so important to have a horse that bends in the rib. Um, and how having that rib cage bend is what's going to allow you to pick up that shoulder and get that hindquarters up underneath your horse so that they are balanced and correct as they go around a barrel. And they also can use their hindquarters, which is where your stability and your power comes from. So that's really important. Another video I posted into the group was about biomechanics, uh, vertical and lateral flexion. So with this, obviously you wanna teach it at a walk first um, or even a standstill, how to face flex laterally and vertically, but this should be done every single one of your rides. And when your horse gets past the point of they can face flex for a second at a time, you wanna build off of that and do this drill for five to 20 seconds at a time. You'll ask them to get on the vertical first and then you'll ask them to soften laterally on the vertical, left and right, and keep your legs on walking in a straight line. It's a really great exercise to teach collection, to build the top line, but also teach some lateral softness while you're working on vertical collection. So once again, it's all about balance and um, collection and building that top line. Um, it's not something that you do in a harsh way. It's something you do in a very mild, gentle way. And you let the horse find the release, let the horse find the, the give. And then once they do it for a little bit, think of it like yoga for horses. Um, it's like stretching that neck and that shoulder and just really getting a horse soft and light and responsive. So I hope you enjoy that video as well. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I put one more video in the group. Oh, yes. It was about me. I was on Rocky and I was trying to do it from holding the reins with one hand and my cell phone. I definitely need to invest in a GoPro. But I wanted to show hand position, how important if you're hitting barrels or dropping shoulders, it is to keep both of your hands on the reins about midway up the neck, not near the saddle horn, not by the ears, but like middle of the neck and keeping them about horn high. And by having that balance between your two hands as you're balancing your body and your legs on your horse, you can keep them squared up and riding straight to your arc and your spots. And if you have a horse that wants to cut you off, by all means, sit in the middle of them and Focus on the outside of your circle or outside of your spots, not the inside, <clears throat> because they're going to just cut you off worse. So your arc and your spot one, two, and three become extremely important if you have a horse that wants to drop a shoulder or if you have a horse that wants to cut you off on the backside or going in or even on the exit. It's important that you learn when you sit, you can still keep your legs on your horse. But if you have a horse that really anticipates, you need to sit up, keep them balanced between those two hands and look between their ears and ride with those legs all the way up into those turns. And that's extremely important as well. So it's, it's something that you really want to consider, um, as a, a part of your slow work when maybe you do a drill or the pattern or even just when you're out riding on the trail you can add that to your muscle memory as one of your drills that you do for um, just reflex so um, I'm going to go ahead and do a Q&A here in a moment I have a few questions and then the topic today is how I pattern for the barrels and the importance of patterning them correctly in the beginning and you um, 
hopefully by this time have your rider cues and your horse's foundation super solid before you begin to pattern them. So I'm going to talk about that. But before I do, I want to give some shout outs. I did, I would say, about 25 videos in the last uh, five days for the group on slow play reviews of training and competition. We had 21 of our <clears throat> of, excuse me, of 21 of our riders send me uh, videos and tell us about their wins. So uh, there were some really great ones. So I'm really happy um, for everyone who met a goal or had a win. Um, the other exciting thing is September literally just started. It was just now Labor Day weekend and we had 11 personal bests. That's right, 11. So congratulations, Angela, Callie, Peggy, Jeannie, Danielle, Amy, Tracy, Jill, Jen, Kelly, and Tina. All of you made the personal best list, and the drawing for the personal best will be the first week of October. And um, there were some really great wins, um, uh, in addition to ones who maybe didn't make the PB list, but had some really great jobs. And that shout-out will go out to uh, Sherry, and Autumn, and Lindsay, welcome back. Um, there's a lot of you out there that are just getting back into it. Um, Madison, um, you know, Kylie, a lot of you are just new to the group as well. So congratulations to you, Kat. Um, uh, back out, out again. Gigi had an awesome run just out of the money at the rodeo. Um, so anyways, there was a lot of really great great um, things going on. So congratulations to everybody who met a goal or had a personal best. That is definitely a win. So remember, you're only competing against yourself, not anyone else. So just do your thing. So let's get into the questions. The first question I had is about hitting barrels on the backside. And that's part of the reason I made that video tip in the group. Um, a lot of times when you're hitting barrels on the backside, what you're doing is maybe with speed, you're not um, getting up there deep enough. You're thinking, you know, you're there and so you drop your hand or look in and your horse cuts you off. So it is important <clears throat> if you are hitting barrels on the backside in competition, you're looking about five feet past the barrel as you're going to spot one, going to the barrel. And then when you get there to the barrel, look at least five feet past the barrel behind the barrel. And keep your rein hand up and forward. Don't drop it. And don't look down their neck. Try to look between their ears. And if you are sitting neutral, keep your legs on or even cluck at them. And really try to give them more room. And another thing you can do in tune-ups is the same thing. You can do some in and outs where you put them in a five-foot pocket going in and a five-foot pocket on the back. And really pick up that shoulder and soften that rib cage and ride that hindquarters to the hind end. I mean, to the back end, to the back side, to spot two. That's really important. So watch that video, and that should be a big help for you. Um, the next question is, uh, how do I wean my horse off circling going to first barrel to uh, start um, being able to just go from the alleyway to first? So <clears throat> that's a great question. <coughs> Sometimes people teach a horse how to circle um, before they go to first barrel, especially when they're novice horses or exhibitioning. It gives you that advantage of getting them on the correct lead and getting them calm and focused and paying attention before you send them to the first barrel. That way you have a more successful pattern. But there comes a time 
And some people do it because they have a, a heavy or a strong horse or a really fast horse that motor gets building um, and they want to keep them controlled. So they want to creep them in the arena a little bit more and have some control before they send them. But if you start going to events that don't allow you to circle or you get to arenas that the eye is really close to the mouth of the arena and you can't circle, then you do want to try to wean them off of it. So what I recommend is outside of the arena, stand on the right side. If you go to the right barrel first, stand on the right side of the alleyway. And then what will happen is as you're approaching the alleyway, you can start to set them up for that lead departure. And then um, and you can practice this at home. You can practice it on a uh, practice night and come in from the right side, set them up for right lead departure, walk, trot, lope. And then as you lope down the alleyway, if they're on the correct lead, go to first. And then when you get to first, just stop and pet them and make a big fuss that they did a nice loose rein woe. If they don't stop when you sit and exhale and say woe and take your your legs off then pick up your hands and add your leg and back them up a couple steps and then you should get your vertical face flexing rounding of your top line and get their hind corners up under them but I want to do a loose rainbow because when I'm running barrels I want to just be able to sit and talk to my horse and they'll rate the barrel I don't want to have to get in their face and check them if I don't need to so checking them for me is the last choice if I if they're just not able to focus off of my body and my voice. So that's how I train um, for them to rate their barrels. So uh, after I do that, I'll just walk the pattern because obviously I don't have a pattern problem and I want to keep my horse relaxed. And so I may go ahead and do that again. Now, had they taken off on the wrong lead, I'll go ahead and shut them down in the alleyway, roll back away, um, go back out the alleyway and go back into that uh, right side of the arena again ask for that lead again and then continue on and again I'm going to go to that barrel stop pet them and and then just walk the pattern because I don't want to punish them for it it's just I'm trying to teach them now look we're going to circle outside here and that's something else you don't want to get in the habit of circling outside the arena because there's usually not ideal ground um, it's either going to be grass or gravel <coughs> or something hard that's not ideal or safe so that's why it's important when you come out the alleyway, you stop straight and don't turn off because a horse can slip and fall in grass and things um, like that if you have an open gate. So consider that as well. Um, with that said, <coughs> excuse me, so I'm still getting over that sore throat that I have for two weeks. But anyways, um, if you uh, then take and... Um, get that horse doing it just maybe do it three times and if they do it correct move on to something else and it's going to take time because if you spent the last year circling before you went to first barrel it's going to take a little bit of time to get that timing and such down but still ride to the same arc still um, ask for the rate two two or three strides before the barrel depend on what they're used to and um and hopefully they'll learn to uh, handle that. Um, it just takes a little bit of time. So the bad thing is if you get them too um, used to it, it's going to make it really difficult if you ever go to super shows or rodeos because you can't always, like I said, get in the arena and do a circle. So the next question was the pole bending question. Um, where do I square my horse up and when do I make the lateral movement? So again, I made that video. 
for that exact reason. You don't want your horse dropping their shoulders as you are weaving through the poles. So what you want to do when you're next to a pole is keep them balanced between your hands and your body square and keep them square next to the poles. And the only time you want them to make that lateral movement is in the middle of the two poles. Because if you do it too soon, they're going to hit the tail with the pole. If you do it too late, they're going to hit the face with the pole. If you don't get over enough, you're going to hit the pole with your leg or your foot. Um, so these are very important reasons. Pole bending is a wonderful uh, thing for the barrel horse to have, um, to learn collection and to move over and just so many wonderful aspects to pole bending for getting a horse more fancy broke and getting buttons on your horse. Um, but it's also important when you're doing pole bending that you have some cues in mind that you think about that you do. So when I'm going down the pole line, I want to be about five feet away. Um, no more than five feet, no less than three feet. Again, depending on the horse's size, um, uh, stride and, and style. I'm going to go faster till the fifth pole that I'm going to sit and rate down one speed at the fifth pole. So depending on if I'm post trotting or loping or making a run, I'm always going to want to slow down by that fifth pole. So I have my two strides of rate. I'm going to look at my spots at the end pole, just like barrels, spots one, the entrance, spot two, the backside and spot three, the exit. Because a pole is only two inches wide versus a barrel being two foot wide, you can roll back a pole more than you can, you have to circle. But you want to go in wide and come out tight. You don't want to bunch yourself up going into the pole turn because then you'll blow off wide and that's going to mess your timing up for the rest of the pattern. So it is important that you stay in your spot one and that might be three to five feet depending on again the horse. And then make sure you get that hip to the backside spot two. You know, don't just let them turn the pole when their shoulder gets to the pole. They're, they've got to get their caboose all the way around the pole as well. So that's how you end up catching poles by turning at the shoulder. So make sure they're turning after your leg gets to the pole. Once you get to spot two, that's when you can let your inside hip and shoulder set back. Whether you ride two hands or one hand around the end pole is totally up to you, but you need to get back to two hands right away at spot three so that you can move them over for your weave through. So it is important, um, even if you lock down to go to the horn <clears throat> from your rate spot, spot one and two, and then as you start to weave at spot three, you get back to two hands right away and then move over. Um, that's something you can do too. So um, then you can put your weight. So the three main cues you want to have is look. So I like to look three feet to the next, the side of the next pole I'm going to. The second cue, I want my weight in the opposite stirrup. So if I'm weaving to the left, I'm going to look three feet to the left of my pole. I'm going to put my weight in my left uh, stirrup. I'm not leaning. I just have weight in my left stirrup and hip. And then I can put my right leg by their front cinch and my hands are not doing a whole lot. My hands are soft and light and forward. I'm sitting neutral. I, I might do a tiny bit of right hand with my right leg. But again, I want my hands soft and quiet and just kind of sitting in a neutral position, not overly forward and just staying in my six inch box. And then as soon as I get to my pole, I'm going to square everything back up again. And then as soon as I've got that, my legs at the pole, I'm going back to my lateral cue again. So again, my hand might move one inch and my hip and my leg and my eyes are my main cue. So it's look, hip, leg, square. 
look hip leg square look hip leg square and it happens that quick and on the end pulls you've got to think go in wide come out tight so whether that's three to five feet pocket but you've got to get them to up into the turn you've got to make sure your leg gets into the pole before they turn don't let them turn at their shoulder if they start to you've got to keep your leg on or smooch and think about getting to spot two riding that hip to the back side and then of course you want to finish your in poles nice so you're set up good for your weed through and for the run home so the most often you'll see people struggle um, not being as snappy at the pole down by the alleyway. So that's a pole you want to really communicate with your horse, look at your spots, whoa, here, and really drive. But for this exercise, I would definitely do it as I did in the um, video in the group, just doing it at a walk or a trot, just nice and slow, sit jog, and just keep them supple and focused and feel what you want to feel until it's in both of your muscle memory. Okay. So next question, uh, let's see, right side arena shape, half circle, watch out loop, restraining. Oh, okay, that's, okay, that's, that was the other one. All right, so I think that's all of my questions. So I'm going to go ahead and go into my uh, topic. I don't see any more questions. Let me double check. Nope. I think that was all I had, just four questions this week. Okay, so remember, if you have a question, send me a uh, message or comment in the group on, um, and I'll make you a video tip, or I will answer, answer it in Q&A every week. So um, the topic is how I pattern a barrel horse and the importance of it being done correctly. So kind of thinking back a little bit of the last couple um, Q&As, we talked about rider cue and horses foundation. And remember, those things have to be solid. You have to have those five rider cues down. Your eyes looking where you want to go, your voice talking to your horse, um, you know, that's really important. Taking deep breaths, being relaxed, your body, how important your body is, how it should be 80% body, 18% leg, and 2% hands. You know, hands can really mess people up, and some people just don't use enough leg. So all of those things are really important. Um, so make sure you've got your five rider cues down. That's extremely important. As far as a... <coughs> Um, the other things to remember is your rein length and your stirrup length. Make sure those are adjusted correctly. I have videos on that and talk about that as well in the members only group uh, website page. There's some video tips on that. Um, balance is where all of this is going to play in. Balance for the rider and balance for the horse. <clears throat> so remember on the foundation, on the foundation, you need to control the five body parts of the horse, you know, from the face, the neck, the shoulder, the rib cage, and the hip. Once you get control of all five body parts, you're going to connect to the mind, which is also going to help you with hoof placement. As you improve your horsemanship, um, you're going to know where your hoof placement is at all time. You're going to have timing and feel and know that if I put this much rein and leg on, I'll be able to move, you know, if I put a little bit of left leg by the front center with a little bit of left pinky, I can move my right front foot over one step. And that's what you want to start being aware of, um, how your cues apply to where you can put your horse. So again, make sure you have a super solid foundation. It all begins on the ground. 
Make sure your groundwork is solid with your horse, desensitizing, respect, understanding to move their body parts. And then once you get in the saddle, make sure you have buttons from your dry work, everything from loose rein, woe, roll back, side pass, um, you know, figure eights, proper leads, um, you know, make sure you can back up nicely and softly, make sure you've got face flexion. Um, and then you can do a lot of uh, different drills that you can apply to that, such as, um, you know, working on perfect circles and rollbacks and side passing and different things you can, you can do with your horse to get them in sync to your shoulders and your hips and, and your energy of going forward and your energy of coming back to you and all of that. So when I teach a horse the barrel pattern, there are three things that I keep in mind. Number one, my spots. That's extremely important to me. I show the horse every time from a walk to a run exactly where I want them to be for going up the middle on a short score or a long score, riding to their arcs, their spots one, two, and three in the turns and coming home straight and not quitting until the timer. That's very important in the beginning stages. Whatever speed I start at is the speed I finish at. I don't want them to just die out on me behind third barrel. Now, I know when you go exhibition places, you have to turn off third and go to the fence a lot. And I may even do some no, um, no stop, no start uh, times where I'll go through two or three times turning off third barrel. But I always go home straight when I'm practicing at home or an exhibition when I can, especially with a young horse that's learning because they have to understand that's part of it to run home to the eye. So the second important thing is body position. That to me is so important. Not only do we need to ride to our spots, but the horse has to have the correct body position. I want to be able to pick up their um, shoulder to guide their nose, to soften their rib and to ride their hindquarters. Um, I want to have cadence and rhythm and balance. Um, the third most important thing that we'll talk about today is transitions and how important transitions are in, um, in your barrel horse and how they should be done away from the pattern in the beginning stages of foundation and dry work and drills. So that way my horse knows how to have a go cue, a rate cue, and a turn cue all off of my body, preferably. So those are all things that I like to think about. Um, and to me, if I can get those three things accomplished, riding to my spots, correct horse's body position with correct transitions, those are the keys that will lead to fluid snappy turns for me. So um, just remember these things that my program was started with those simple things, the three spots to ride to, the three cues that you need, a run cue, a rate cue, and a turn cue. And everything I do <clears throat> is my ultimate goal is to get my horse to be 50-50. So what I mean by 50-50 is when it starts out, when you're starting a colt or a young horse or a green horse, even if they're 10 years old and they're green broke, you need them to, um, to do their job. But in the beginning, 80% is going to be you. 20% is going to be them. But once they start to figure things out, it'll start becoming more 60-40, especially if you use give and take pressure. If you give them a chance to do their job, you show them and ask them and then let them try. And then one glorious day, it becomes 50-50. And that's when all you've got to do is keep them emotionally and physically happy and 
do your job and then they can do their job. So, so now mind you, barrel raising is never easy. There's a hundred things that have to come together, you know, and, and we all know that from your warm up to your conditioning, to your, you know, nutrition, exercise, you know, everything, you know, riding to your spot, to your cues, timing, ground conditions, everything has to come together. But once you get really solid at all of those things and keep a journal and, and keep logging what's working, what's not working, whether it's bit, saddle, uh, mental game, you name it, it needs to all be logged. And, um, and then you will have a more consistent winning ability. Your, your, your odds of winning will become higher once you master all of those things. So in the very beginning... I'm going to set up my pattern um, for my horses and I'm just going to show it to them at a walk. Um, I do believe that horses learn the most at a trot, but in the beginning, if I can't walk it perfect, I have no business trotting it. So, um, so spots are really important. So when I'm walking to the barrels, I'm going to focus on where I want my arc to be. A little caddy horse, five, six foot. A normal horse, seven, eight foot. A big bubba, maybe 10 to 12 foot. It's all going to depend. Now, I will also want their body position to be correct. So as I go to my um, arc, I'm going to sit and say, whoa, and I'm going to stop. Remember, I always rate down transitions, one speed going to the barrel. So if I'm walking, I'm going to stop. If I, it's a really lazy horse, I might fast walk to a slow walk. Just depends. But when I do rate down, or stop. I want to make sure they're square. Front and back feet are on the same tracks. I don't want their hips swinging. If their hip is swinging, I'll put my leg in the back cinch and push their hip in a step. And then I go into my turn. I ride spot one and I want three to five foot pocket again, depending on the size of the horse. And somewhere between my transition area and my spot one is a place where I, I soften them a little bit. When I'm going fast, I'm just going to ride them square from my rate spot, two strides from the barrels to the spot one. But in my slow work, I'll put a little bit of weight in my outside stirrup and I'll put a little bit of inside calf and inside pinky on them where I can just feel them pick up that shoulder a little bit for me and start to soften that rib so that when I do get to spot one, I can do a little bit more and get a little bit more softness. I release it immediately and then I ride to spot two, the backside, and then I soften them again. And then I ride to spot three, the exit, where I'll soften them. But at that point, I begin now to change my cues, my body position. As I went around the barrel, I had my eyes looking more at the outside tracks. I had a little bit more weight on my outside stirrup, which also put me on my outside shoulder and hip. But once I get to my pivot spot on first barrel between spot two and three, I'm going to sit back on my inside hip and shoulder, and that's going to tell my horse to come out tight. And that's what I want. Three, two, one, or a four, three, two, or a five, four, three, whatever. I have a little bit more room going in in the backside, but I always leave tighter. So um, that's important to me. And as I leave tighter... I want my horse responding to my inside hip and then I might only need to pick up my inside hand one inch and I may have to put my outside leg by the front cinch to square the shoulders up as well and then put my rein hand forward to leave. But ideally, if I can get them to do it just from my body, I would prefer it. So now I'm going to immediately move my horse over 
by stepping into, if I'm going to the right barrel first, I've made a right turn. So I'm gonna step into my right stirrup, my first stride out of first barrel, and I'm gonna get back to two hands at that point. And I'm gonna go ahead, and I do like to go to the horn, even on my young horses in the turn. The only time I wouldn't do that is if they're just not, um, if they're, you know, kind of wormy, kind of wiggling, snaky, kind of left to right, or not very balanced, or, or if I have one that overbends, kind of rubbernecky, and I'll, and they'll float their shoulder or their hip or something, then I might stay two hand to keep that balance rein helping them. But eventually I want to get where I can go one hand around the barrel because that's important that they don't get dependent on the balance rein. If I have one that overflex, I'll keep my hand a little closer to the center of the rein and I'll just try to stay off their head and use more leg and body. So, um, but again, the first stride out, I want to move over. So weight goes in the opposite stirrup and then I put my left leg on them to get them over. So weight's in the right stirrup, left leg's on. And I'm now I've moved over immediately the first stride out. So I'm already set up for my pocket going to second. And that's where I'm looking straighter longer. I'm looking three to five feet to the next side of the second barrel, a little bit past second barrel. As I approach, I'll start to sit for my rate. Again, I slow down one speed or I stop. I make sure my horse is square. And then I, again, just a little pinky and inside calf. I want to feel that shoulder pick up somewhere between my transition or rate area and spot one. Again, I don't always do that um, fast, you know, but I at a walk and a trot, I want to feel some softness. You don't ever want to feel them dropping their shoulder or taking their face to the outside ever. So you either want them square or a little bit of lateral softness. But remember, I said a little bit, not a lot. <clears throat> and then you treat second and third barrel the same way as far as riding to spot one, two, and three. The only difference is first and third, you'll pivot between spot two and three. But second, you don't pivot until the exit spot three. So at this point, again, I'm looking for that softness and riding front and back feet to spot one, two, and three. And then I'll use my inside hip at spot three on second barrel for that snap out. And it's really important to me that they keep their line straight. So I may use outside leg coming out to keep my line straight. I might use two legs between to keep impulsion. I might use inside leg going in to soften the rib cage. But again, it depends on the individual horse. Some horses might need scissor legs because they need a little bit more help shoulder out, hip in if they're more of a big strung out horse. But a little more compact collected horse, it's usually going to be inside leg going in and outside leg coming out. It is pretty, pretty standard. <coughs> Some horses are super sensitive and they um, don't need leg. They might work just off your pinky, your eyes and your body. And that's okay too. Like I said, every horse is an individual. You have to find what works for them. You don't want a horse to be on the bridle. Um, you don't want to be keeping the reins really tight. Uh, barrel racing is a direct rein and it should be within an inch of contact. You shouldn't always have you shouldn't be in their face. The only time you should make contact on the reins where you're engaging the chin strap or the bit is when you're asking them to transition or soften. Otherwise, you should be loose rein and not in their face. Again, you want them to work 80% off of your body. So that should be a focal point. So again, once I'm teaching the barrels, after a walk, and I feel like, you know what, that felt good. It didn't feel stiff. They know where to go. And I might, when I'm teaching the barrels, I like a schedule. So 
let's say Monday I do groundwork and desensitize first and then I get on and ride and I do dry work. And then maybe Tuesday I do dry work and some drills. And then maybe Wednesday I go for a trail ride um, or, you know, and then come back and do some slow barrel work. And then maybe Thursday I do drills and slow barrels. And then maybe Friday I do dry work and slow barrels. I might just mix it up. And then I might give them Saturday off or haul them somewhere for exposure on Saturday um, just to ride them around to get them used to going places and then give them Sunday off. So riding a horse five days a week and maybe hauling them once a week or I would in training horses case give a client a lesson with their horse. I always let them have one or two days off a week just to be a horse. I think that's important to keep them fresh and wanting to learn but I do think a young horse that's being patterned needs to be consistently rode at least four or five days a week to progress, to make progress. Um, so I think that's really important as well. Um, like I said, there should be a fun day in there, a day maybe you go for a trail ride. And I do feel like young horses benefit from 30 minutes to an hour in the saddle. I do feel like you don't want to bore them to pieces. So I do things in sets of three. So I might walk the pattern three times or post-trot sit jog three times. I would never lope more than three times. I would quit on a good one. So once they're at this stage of loping the barrels, if they are perfect on the second one, I'm going to quit and pet them and walk the pattern and go do something else, trail ride or, or just, you know, cool them out, whatever. Let them learn that if they're good, they're done. So if they have a rough day, we're going to work until we get to a positive place that we can always quit on a a quiet note but remember you have to have principles like uh, good ones to have or you can't get hurt they can't get hurt that's important that's why I've never been a big fan of like hobble training or things like that I like to use um, tie rings that if they get scared or spooked they can get back without hurting their neck um, you know I've always tried to do things in a safe manner where my client horses couldn't get hurt or my own horses you know why pay for chiropractic adjustments if you're just going to tweak their neck by tying them off hard if they get scared of something um, so those are things I think about I also want my horse calmer than what I started so if they start out on the muscle maybe they're just fresh but when I finish working them they should be calm and quiet and happy just like a child going to school you want to set your horse up for yes answers and to build their confidence not take it away from them so you want to teach them in increments that they can positively get it correct and feel good about their process and want to keep learning and want to come to you uh, and and want to be with you to learn more instead of run away from you when they see them coming you coming because it's a stressful situation so just always remember that education with speed takes time if you start having problems or making mistakes you can always slow down your speed and go at the speed you can do it correctly um, send me a video that's important so i can see if it's a rider cue or something missing a hole in your foundation that can cause it you know, those are really important things. Um, those three spots are super important in competition and they're equally important in training. The transitions are super important. The um, When I'm starting to go faster, like I said, I always want to rate down one speed. So I may post trot to the barrel, sit jog at my rate spot. So it's always easy in and hurry out. So I'll sit jog around the barrel and post trot out. 
when I start to lope the barrels, I'm going to want to get my correct lead. So if I have to do a circle, I'll circle and I'll get my correct lead. As I lope to first, I'll break to a trot around the barrel and then pick up my left lead and lope to second, break to a trot around the barrel. Same thing, easy in, hurry out. When I'm finally ready to lope the barrels, I'm going to try to get the correct lead before I start. I'm going to um, try to get that lead change as soon as I leave first barrel. And I'm gonna cue for it, just like I did all my slow work. I'm gonna put my weight in my right stirrup. I'm gonna get back to two hands. I'm gonna bump with my left hand and leg and hope they take it right from the beginning. If I do my job correctly, if I have a good foundation and I've taught lead departures in circles and straight lines, I should be able to get it. Some of them are gonna take longer and they're not gonna swap till they get closer to the barrel. That's okay for a little while. I'll let them try to figure it out. But there does come a point where I'll mix in their lead changes. So I might lope around first, break to a trot, get the lead, and then lope second and third. So I'll play around with that depending on the individual. Some horses are more athletic and come along faster. Some horses are a little bit slower to take on things and just takes them a little longer. But normally as you add speed, they're going to swap their leads anyways because it's going to be more comfortable for them. If you have a horse that's cross-firing or just not picking up a lead, check with your vet or chiropractor and make sure they're not sore out or even lunge them, uh, free lunge or on a lunge line and see if they're cross-firing or having problems doing it without a rider, without a saddle. Because they are, you could have some sort of lameness or you could have an out, you know, they might be out somewhere as well. So those are things to consider as well. So like I mentioned, in all of my barrel training, I think about my spots, whether I'm walking, trotting, loping, or running, they always go to the same spots. Horses learn from repetition and consistency. I feel like that's extremely important. We don't want to bore them to tears. So like I mentioned, I keep things to a set of three. If I'm in the arena for a half an hour, 10 or 15 minutes might be on the barrel pattern. And then the rest might be on dry work or drills. Body position is important. I would never let a barrel horse go into a turn strung out. I don't rush in, stall out. I always go collected, easy in, hurry out. Um, if they make a mistake in the turn, I don't let them go to the next barrel. I'll circle the barrel a couple times until they ride to each spot with the correct body position. And then I'll finish with the uh, after a circle, a true turn, and leave tight and straight. Um transitions are really important be certain that they can do those out in the pasture with pasture loops or in the arena with you know extended and collected strides um, maybe figure eights with simple transitions or um, you know lope the entire arena with a circle in just a corner of the arena or something like that so be certain that you go back to basics with your barrel horse all the time um that's something that needs to be done, whether you have an open horse or a novice horse or just a colt learning, a green broke horse. You need to always go back to basics, keep your horse solid on their, their foundation and make sure you're using your cues correctly with give and take at the right timing with the right feel. That's extremely important. And never doubt that the beginning stages of your barrel pattern is what's going to set you up for success. I will tell you this. If you train a barrel horse correctly from the get-go, they will always have a pretty pattern. You won't have a horse that hits barrels, goes by barrels, blows out wide. 
if you do it the way I tell you, the TLC program of having a solid foundation, solid rider cues, and teaching the barrel pattern with repetition and consistency with, with riding to those spots I mentioned, the good body position, and the proper transitions, um, you will have a solid barrel horse who will gain confidence. And as they are calm and confident and in their education with speed, the speed will come. And they will, as they get seasoned, just start coming on on their own and um, actually really enjoying their job and get grittier and grittier. Now, mind you, it's a process. It's a seasoning thing. You know, it can take two to three years to make a barrel horse. One year on foundation, one year on pattern and seasoning for hauling for exhibitions and entering, you know, and then the next year of really getting them to their derby or open level um, as well. So, you know, it is a journey. So that's why a lot of people spend big money and buy open finished horses because their goals are to go now and win 1D, 2D or, or maybe just can't because they have full-time jobs. So they just want to do 3D, 4D and have fun on the weekend. So whatever your goal is, just realize if you are training your own horse and you're new to it, it could take you twice as long without a mentor or a coach or um, a trainer to help you with training your horse. Um, it can be done by yourself, but you will need to work closely with lessons or clinics or uh, virtual coaching with me in order to get there and just realize it is a journey and to enjoy the journey in the process. So I hope that was helpful for everybody. And um, I'm going to go ahead and close with a few special words today. I saw something on Facebook, which I really liked because a lot of you can really be hard on yourselves and... Um, um, so I want to mention this. And before I do that, I also want to say a special prayer and thoughts for one of our members in our group. She just lost her one day horse and, um, it was to some, unfortunately some natural disaster. And I just want everyone to keep, um, keep in mind that we don't know life can be fragile. We don't know what tomorrow brings. So hug your horse appreciate every day with your horse and your ride, your family, your friends, because we don't know what tomorrow brings. We, we can plan for the future and we can live for the day and that's about all we can do. So just appreciate your horse. And when you think you're having a bad day because your training didn't go well or your jackpot didn't go well, just remember it could be a heck of a lot worse. So um, remember we do this because we love it and, and we should keep that in mind. So, but I saw this on, um, Facebook, and I thought it was interesting and, and very spot on. Number one, um, you can have the best run of your life and not get a check. And we know what that means. Like if you're normally 2D and you run in the 1D cracks that day or vice versa, you know, if you're 3D and you run in the 2D cracks, you could have your most amazing run and not get a check. That's, that's part of barrel racing. Number two, um, even the best barrel racers can go buy a barrel, blow out wide, um, and you can and and you can still get a check with an ugly run, winning ugly, I call that. So, you know, and that's life too. But you still want to just keep on improving yourself. Um, and also think about superstar jockeys, whether they're futurity or NFR people, they make mistakes too. They don't beat themselves up though, they just go to the next one. And number four. Remember, even great horses can have bad days. Number five, uh, seem 
Um, Sometimes our goals seem out of reach or impossible, but don't feel that way. Believe in yourself and know that you can do it. And um, number six, you're never too old to set goals. So if you're sitting there and you're in your 40s or your 50s and you're thinking, you know, my body hurts, I'm slower than I was in my 30s and 40s and, um, you know, and, and all that, remember there are people winning WPRA and NFR in their 70s. So just never think you're too old to have a goal. And um, and finally, number seven, um, uh, to work. Never, never give up to always work. If you have to change up the plan, that's fine. Um, but you know, don't, don't give up on the goal. If you have to change things up and then just have confidence in your next run that the changes that you've made are going to be positive for you. So, and then finally, I want to close with some, some, um, words because I think we need it, you know, in this time and age, um, five ways to have happiness and peace. Um, for me, um, these are the five things that I think are important. I think it's important to number one, pray about it all and just give it to God. And number two, I think it's important that we accept God's gifts that he gives us and the promises God gives us. And number three, always be grateful. Wake up with a grateful heart. Focus on the positives. Number four, seek if it's God's will. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand and, um, and maybe one day we will, but we have to kind of just trust that it's God's will. You know, sometimes what we want doesn't always, you know, what what's going to happen. Number five, always pray in Jesus' name. So I'm going to close there, and I want you to stay focused on your goals and um, send those videos in so that I can look at your training and competition and help you get to those goals. And as usual, as usual, stay safe and have fun. And um, God bless everybody and ride with heart.